Our teaching this morning will come from the book of 3 John. So if you've got your Bible, you can go ahead and open up to the book of 3 John. The town of Monterey, California, it's a coastal town. It was known for many years for being a pelican's paradise. So if you wanted to see a lot of pelicans, Monterey, California was, was was the place to go. And for many years, fishermen, whenever they would clean their fish, they would throw the remains to the pelicans. Sounds innocent, doesn't it? But you see, over time, you see, the birds, um, they grew fat and lazy and even contented. And eventually, however, um, a new law was passed that, that later prohibited the, uh, the fishermen from, from feeding the pelicans. Well, and when this happened, the birds would wait to be fed and they would never be fed. And then they would grow very gaunt and thin. And sadly, many of them starved to death because they had forgotten how to fend for themselves. They had forgotten themselves how to catch fish. However, the, uh, the Fish and Wildlife Organization solved this problem by importing new, new penguins, or excuse me, not penguins, but pelicans from the south. My wife likes penguins, so I hear them all, uh, about them all the time. But, but you see, they imported new pelicans from the south. And, and by doing this, the older ping, uh, pelicans would watch the, um, um, the younger pelicans fish. And in turn, learned once again how to, to defend themselves. And before long, the hungry pelicans followed suit and the famine ended. The famished pelicans needed to follow the example of their kin. There is a lot that we can learn from this story and and, and from this account. Who do we look to as our mentors? Who do we look to to uh, uh, to get advice? Who do we admire? Are there certain qualities that, that we look for? In our passage today, the Apostle John has a lot to say in our text about three prominent individuals with some qualities that, that, that need to be discussed this morning. And two of these qualities are excellent qualities of how we as Christians should, should present ourselves the way Jesus did. However, one quality is a perfect example of how Christians should not pre- present themselves. Turn with me in Third John, and it's not the shortest book in the Bible, but it's but it's the second shortest. It's only got fifteen verses, but but today we are going to read verses five through twelve. So follow along with me. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I have written something to the church, but 
But Diotrephus, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. The entire book of 3 John is written to a man named Gaius, whom John expressed his love and joy towards in all he is doing for the church. And we read about Demetrius and all he is doing for, for the church and, and its ministry. But also we, we read about a man named Diotrephus, who is talking, as John put it, wicked nonsense. And this morning in our text, we will discuss the three qualities that, that we as Christians must possess if we are not only to bring joy to others, but to bring joy to Christ as well. The first quality that we as Christians must possess this morning is like Jesus, we as Christians must be hospitable. Again, it says in our text, verses 5 through 8, Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testify to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on, on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the, of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. John was praising Gaius' hospitality and what he was doing because he was demonstrating the essential command to love one another. Showing hospitality is a, is a verb because it displays love in action. A verb is an action word. This would be a great compliment, right? To have the Apostle John to say this about us. Whatever God gives us to do, shouldn't we do it faithfully, gladly? Of the good servant, Jesus had this to say in, in Matthew chapter 25, verse 21. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And it's very significant to know that, especially during this time, Christian travelers were greatly dependent uh, upon the hospitality of other Christians. Missionaries. How, how dependent are they on, on, on the church? And this should not surprise us since, since the church at this time was still fairly young and was also being heavily persecuted, but yet it was still growing. John knew that when Christians assist those who, who contend with the truth, they too become fellow workers for the truth because they are supporting it. King David also understood 
faithful hospitality, and that the supply lines were just as vital as the soldiers, and God would reward both soldiers and supporters properly and generously. And the, and the reward for these faithful people is the same as those who, who were on the front lines. And, and, and as uh, 1 Samuel 30, verses 21 through, uh, through 25 have told us, I, I'm not going to read it, but David demonstrated this very principle. Him, him and the soldiers returned, and, and there were spoils and plunder and, and, and rewards. And they were distributed properly and appropriately among those who fought valiantly and those who supported diligently. However, the wicked and the lazy got nothing. Jesus had this to say about hospitality in Matthew 10, 40, verses 40 through 42. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. What Jesus is telling us is that he is promising that even the help offered, even a, even a cup of cold water to one of his children, is not going to be forgotten when, when, when God re- rewards us. And this could also mean why John would pray for Gaius' prosperity. Because he used his resources to be hospitable. He used his resources to bless others in a godly way. He was being a blessing to others. Are we a blessing to others? Because when God used him and when God blessed him with more, others were blessed all the more. Are we doing the same? And we as Christians are expected to to do our best to help others excellently. However, we must first see that we are, that we in our resources are doing something to help spread the gospel. Are our resources spreading the gospel? And it is important for us to remember that God calls us all to be a part of his mission. Each and every one of us. And we should all be willing to help others in, in, in such a way Whenever the need arises. Because you never know who might be watching or who we might be encouraging or who we might be leading. Years ago, in, in, in the communist government in China, they commissioned an author, a young author, to write a biography of, of, of Hudson Taylor, the renowned missionary. Now, what their plan was, was was it was they told this young author to, to distort the facts because they wanted to, to present this, this great man in, in a bad light. They wanted to make him look bad, and they wanted to even discredit his name to stop his ministry, to hinder it. 
However, as the author was doing his research, he became more and more increasingly impressed with Hudson Taylor, his character, his honesty, and the godly lifestyle that he lived. And he found it extremely difficult to carry out his assigned task. And he could not do it with a clear conscience. Eventually, even at the risk of losing his life, he laid aside his pen, renounced his atheism, and became a follower himself. You see, we never know who our hospitality could be encouraging. We never know who our love can be encouraging. And whether we realize it or not, our example leaves an impression on others. Gaius understood this. And that is why, like Jesus, we as Christians must be hospitable. The second quality that we as Christians must show is, like Jesus, we as Christians will not act maliciously. In verses 9 through 11, he's saying, I have written something to the church, but Diotrephus, who, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God, and whoever does evil has not seen God. John is publicly rebuking Diotrephus, it looks like. And in rebuking in this manner, you see, John is also following the clear command that comes from scriptures, as well as the examples that set from his fellow apostles. Because he was not acting in, in a manner that was outside of love. It was a righteous rebuke. Because the apostle Paul said in Romans sixteen seventeen, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught, avoid them. And when it comes to, to rebuking someone publicly, our rebuke must only be made when necessary. This is hard to understand at times. But Jesus had this to say uh, about judging others in Matthew 7, 1 through 2. Jesus said, judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, will be measured to you. Now there's a difference here that, that, uh, that we need to think about. Rebuking a fellow believer and judging are two very different things. They're not even in the same category. And we must be careful not to judge a brother or a sister against any standard that we ourselves would not be judged. You see, Diotrephus should have known that he was open to public criticism. When he would publicly criticize John and his associates and, and using malicious words. And even presenting him himself in this way. It appears from our scriptures this morning that the problem for Diotrephus was, or could have been, his pride. It was because of his pride that he was not able or even willing 
to show hospitality the way Gaius was, who boldly walked in the truth. Sounds like pride was leading him and like many others into destruction. Pride's a deadly thing. It's very damaging. And this was one of the original sins. Because wasn't wasn't this Satan's problem? Who was unwilling to be what God created him to be, but who he desired to be like the Most High. As it says in Isaiah 14, 14. Isaiah is a great book to study. Lots of answers. But Isaiah 14, 14, check, uh, check that verse out sometime. It is the very opposite of the nature of Christ. Because Jesus was not prideful. He was very humble. He was very loving. And the Apostle Paul tells us in, in Philippians 2, 5 through 8. He says, Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus humbled himself. Dautrephus not only used his influence to forbid others from showing hospitality to John or his associates, he even tried to put those who tried to show such hospitality hospitality, out of the church totally. Dautrephus was not in any way helping the church's ministry or contributing to it. From what we read, he was being a hindrance to it. You see, John gives us two clear examples here straight up. One good, who was Gaius, and one bad, who was Diotrephus. And he now provides a clear application to the point he's making. And that point is to simply, we as Christians must follow what is good. Because we serve a good God, don't we? And as those who truly follow a good God... Shouldn't we ourselves desire good and desire the good of others? There was a man named Alan Redpath, and uh, he wrote this article in, in A Passion for Preaching, and I thought this was an excellent idea. You see, he formed an a, a encouragement group, he called it, uh, of other men, and, and this was during a very stressful time. And, and, and he assembled these men for, for, for mentoring. And he described a simple formula, and, and, and they applied it before speaking to any person or on any subject that could have been controversial. It was one word, five letters. The word think. And each letter... And the word think stood for something. The T stood for, is it true? The H stood for, is it helpful? 
The I stood for, is it inspiring? The N stood for, is it necessary? And the K stood for, is it kind? That's a neat little formula, isn't it? If what was about to be said did not pass this formula and, and did not fit, it was decided by the group that he and the others would in turn keep their mouth shut, not talk about it. And it worked. You see, Diotrephus was not being true, nor was he being helpful. He was not being inspiring, as we read. He was, being, he was not being necessary, and nor was he being kind. Has there ever been a time when we found ourselves in the same category? Has there ever been a time in our lives when we've caught ourselves Maybe not being true ourselves, helpful, inspiring, necessary, or kind. Because like Christ, we as Christians must not act maliciously. The third quality that we as Christians must show this morning is like Jesus, we as Christians must be true. Verse 12 once again says, Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. John recommended the man uh, Demetrius to Gaius, and it could be assumed that Demetrius could have been the one who delivered the letter from John to Gaius. And, and John just... He just might have wanted to, uh, to give Gaius the information and to know that, that Demetrius himself was worthy of Christian hospitality. That he was worthy to carry on in their mission. That, that he was a brother, an ally, someone who was true. What a compliment. And trusting him with this very testimony. It appears that Demetrius was so faithful to the truth that, that the truth itself was a witness to his character. Prior to our text this morning, John said this about Gaius in verse 3. For I have rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. What does it mean to be true? Have any of us ever sat down and really thought about that? What is truth? To have a true witness. What, what does it mean? You know, and we hear it in our society all the time. We hear it all the time. Be you. Be true to yourself. I'm going to ask you again, what is truth? What does it mean for a Christian to be true? Well, I looked it up in an updated dictionary. What truth means. And notice I said updated. It means the quality or state of being true, or that which is true or in accordance with fact or reality. And this is interesting. 
I, I, I want to share this with you. A fact or belief that is accepted as true. Accepted as true? I thought truth is what it is. And I find it interesting, and I've used this quote many times in teaching. I've even posted it on Facebook. But years and years ago, a man named Miyamoto Masashi, a samurai, understood what truth is. This is what he said. Truth is not what you want it to be. It is what it is. And you must bend to its power or live a lie. He's right. Truth is what it is. It's not... It's not just because so-called truth is accepted by a majority. Truth is what it is. So what is truth? Jesus had this to say in Matthew 16, 24 through 25. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That is truth. The very words of Jesus. We are surrounded by so many treacherous ideas. So many treacherous and damaging beliefs. So many false beliefs. And once again, so many times in our society we hear, you be you. And there are so many ways. I'm going to tell you the truth this morning. That's not true. There's only one way. And Jesus said it himself. John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through I love that verse. Again, that is truth. Yes, Jesus expects us to take up our cross and deny ourselves what we think we want. To, to deny the sin that is so prevalent around us. To follow him. To follow his example. And I'm glad that Jesus did not just merely teach this. He came and walked amongst us and he showed us. He showed us personally. And how thankful I am for those in scripture like Gaius and Demetrius. Who loved others and who loved God enough to show hospitality and live a true lifestyle. There are examples of hospitality and courageous truth in their lifestyles and testimonies. What kind of qualities are, are we passing down to those who are younger and, and, and to those who are watching? What do they see in us? Yes, we as the Columbia Christian Church are, are to be examples. To be ambassadors of Christ in the beautiful town of Columbia. In Adair County. 
in the bluegrass state of Kentucky. I, I love our town, don't you? It's been a blessing to live here 14 years. I love our state. And I hope each and every one of you do too. Uh, enough to want to be examples for others to follow. And that is why, for another reason, it is so important to raise our families to be the church. Not just raise them in church, but to be the church. What qualities are we teaching our children? What qualities are we, are we modeling for our children? What kind of examples are we as parents, and I'm talking to myself too, being to our children? Because I've got a little 10-year-old that watches my every move. What qualities are we ourselves passing down to them? Are we being hospitable? Are we being true? Are they seeing us be hospitable and being true? Or, or are they seeing us being, being malicious? Are we seeking Christ like Gaius and, and Demetrius? Like John, like the Apostle Paul? Or are we more like Diotrephus? Like Jesus, we as Christians must be hospitable. Like Jesus, we as Christians must not act maliciously. Finally, like Jesus, we as Christians must be true. We're going to spend a few moments in meditation and prayer. Maybe there's some things that, that uh, we need to bring before God. Maybe there were some opportunities that uh, we didn't see this past week that we could have shown hospitality. Maybe there was a bad example that, uh, uh, that we may have portrayed. Or maybe there was a good example. Maybe, maybe we shared our faith with someone. Maybe we helped someone. What a good time to thank God for that opportunity. And even thank God for the correction that, uh, uh, that he still gives us. The loving correction that, uh, that he continues to give us. Let, let's bow at this time.